Hello. Hello. Welcome to another Film Critics Processes. I'm Jay Bearhat. I am Baru. We're talking about... We got another twofer. A return to cinema. Yeah, another twofer. We... Yeah, we, um... We're talking about like some, some tentpole releases here. Yeah, no, it's because I feel like it's it's partially because it's it's gotten harder to uh to to have a movie that we could actually talk about for a full hour. <laughs> Mostly because even movies that are good that we've been seeing, they're not like I don't know, they're not like movies where it's like this is a movie we saw twice, so we have a lot to talk about. So right, yeah, uh, we're doing a lot of two first. Also, there's a lot of movies that are coming out, so it's <laughs> we gotta start bunch, we gotta start stacking them all up to do the episodes. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, we watched, <laughs> we went out to the old theater and we saw Tenet. Okay, let me, I'm going to stop right there. <laughs> I don't, I, I know normally, like, even when we pirate a movie, we pretend we didn't. We fucking pirated. We, we pirated, pirated the Tenet. shit out of Tenet. We're, we're, I am not, if I'm going to go to a movie theater and risk death. <laughs> Fuck you. Or giving someone else death. It's not going to be for fucking Tenet. Are you fucking <laughs> kidding me? If you if you went and saw Tenet in the theater, I'll, I'll go fucking whoop your ass. I'll fucking whoop your ass right here. <laughs> Let's throw down. I I am speechless uh, about that. Uh, we can talk about Imagine, it. Imagine like being one of the people who went and saw it like multiple times. Uh... Like I think the problem is like why that's such a bad idea is that you're already that's well, like sunk that's why cost. they call like them... you're you're playing yourself like you are tricking <laughs> yourself into believing that this must be good. That's why because... they call them super spreaders because they super spread uh, the gospel of Christopher Nolan. Ah, that's all. Much like whales because they spend a lot of money on Christopher Nolan. <laughs> um, fuck you if you. I'm watched. sorry. I get it that Christopher Nolan films are only good in theaters. But yeah, just rent a theater then. Just like if you're <laughs> gonna if you're gonna spend that much money to fly across country or whatever to fucking go see Tenant, just spend the money to rent a theater out so that you don't get sick. Fuck it. Why? Like, come on, come on. Um, and we also watched uh Charlie Kaufman's uh new movie. Uh, I'm gonna fucking kill myself or whatever. Yeah. Uh, Char- Charlie Kaufman's. That's it. I'm going to fucking kill myself this time. This isn't a joke. This isn't a cry for help. I'm going to do it. <laughs> I'm actually going to... All right, I'm going to Photoshop that as the title. As the title. <laughs> uh, Charlie Kaufman, this isn't a joke this time. I am actually going to fucking kill myself. Do not stop me. This is not a cry for help. <laughs> um, yeah, so, <laughs> so we got a really fun episode today. Woo! Woo, talking about uh, two directors who were kind of good, great, doing cool stuff in the 90s, and then um, continued to tell the same movies over and over and over again. And over and And at some point, hey, maybe Christopher Nolan needs to go back in time, am I right? Hey, (laughs) oh, maybe. Somebody could make a good fucking movie. Hey, gotta figure out how to do the perfect movie in reverse again. Maybe that's maybe that's subconsciously what Tenet, and maybe he's trying to go back. Maybe he's trying to return to his roots and uh, what made him comfortable as a younger filmmaker. Um, I think that's what uh, he was saying with Tenet. Actually, I think it would have been cool um, if he if he was doing that 
uh, and not just that he was a bad director. <laughs> and he's a bad director who just doesn't know how to fucking mix his goddamn movies e- anymore either. I guess Dunkirk was supposed to be good. Um, Stop making movies about time. <laughs> just, make, just make normal movies. Just, just be fucking normal, assholes. Uh, yeah, so... Uh, so I guess um, since it's not quite obvious yet, uh, Jay, what do you think of Tenet? Honestly, I don't know if I hated it more than Inception. Uh huh. Because at least if Inception, I don't remember anything about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, and give like, it a couple months. I think Tenet yeah. will. <laughs> Well, you think Tenet will, will erode away either? I think it'll wash itself that, like, right out I, of your I brain. will never forget the main character's name in Tenet is protagonist, and that he says the <sighs> line, I am the protagonist, twice. Ugh. <laughs> yeah, just not even like, fucking is, trying. And it's like what I mean about like this weird like backwards thing is like that kind of like, all right, all right, a little on the nose. Is yeah. like if he was doing that in like Memento era filmmaking, it'd be like, okay cute that's like very student filmmaker but it's like okay but this is his like he's like 50 <laughs> <laughs> this is your like 80th film dude this is like 80th film you get so much money to make movies now have someone look at your script and go uh. <laughs> <laughs> you can you can you can hire a woman to tell you how women talk Oh, yeah. You can hire a, a human to tell you how people talk. <laughs> yeah. Um, man, oh, man. What is there to say about that? I, I, I think I, by necessity, I like, it, I like it a lot better than Dark Knight Rises, because what a shit pile. Um, and I think I like it better than Inception, because my experience isn't, hasn't yet been uh, somebody after the movie berating me for not liking it adequately. Um, and now I get to shit talk it to a captive audience, uh, and I that that just makes me enjoy it more. Um, I, I also feel I like Tenet also say, has the benefit. Uh, a lot of people hate Tenet. Like that that that's like, like very nice. Is 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 actually seeing pushback on his movies? Yeah, people are once. like <laughs> people are turning a corner on Christopher Nolan, which is funny and kind of weird because I feel like this is one of his least egregious movies. Or like, I don't know. This movie sucks in ways that are really boring. Um, and, uh, like, uh, just to, just to kind of get my major complaints out of the way, like, there is so much fucking, like, there's so many boring-ass conversations and just so much shit that is over-explained and just does not matter, and it's just two people fucking yapping at each other about, like, about shit. Uh, so, that's not very good. Uh... But I I, uh, I thought some of the action stuff was kind of cute. I don't know. What were you, you going to say? I was going to say complete sidebar. Very huge fan of the fact that when you go to the Tenet letterbox page, letterbox does cute things. Um, Tenet, as you scroll down, the page then flips, and then you can see the same page but upside down at the bottom of the page. But Aww. it's very funny to do that and to still see that it's all, like, two-star reviews. <laughs> <laughs> It's all like, wow, you sure did spend a lot of... You had someone program this for a movie that people do not like. Yeah, yeah. That's that's really cute. I like that a lot. Uh, they did, But yeah, I, 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 I can't agree with you. I think the reason why people are turning a corner is because it's so unegregious that people are able to like... 
kind of see through the usual tricks with this one. Yeah, and it's also, I mean, like, maybe, and and to kind of instantly dive into this discussion, uh, maybe Christopher Nolan's tantrum about having to see it in an IMAX fucking perfect 4K giant screen or whatever kind of is is testament and and speaks to the fact that uh, his movies are more spectacle than... um, you know, actual substance. <laughs> because no, I, I, I think that's true because people's only options are to either watch the pirated version, which makes you realize that it's not very good. Or you actually went and saw it in a theater. And I've even seen people who are like, yeah, I went and saw it in a theater and I left after 20 minutes because it was like, it was incoherent or like, I hated <laughs> it or like, I couldn't stand it. And I think it's because when you haven't gone to a movie in a while, you, you start to realize that like, a movie just being spectacle isn't actually enough <laughs> if the movie's not also good. Yeah, like it has to be it has to be memorable more than just as like a well, I I don't know. Maybe that's maybe that's what a lot of people just want out of movies to just like for to to have it like not stick with you, to have it be more like a fucking ride at Universal or whatever. Um but for someone who makes like billion dollar movies why would you hamstring your craft like that like why would why would that be like the sort of artistic conceit that you like you know kind of why would you put all your all your uh all your apples in that cart or what the fuck ever uh, i mean and, and and to be very like biased i guess i love like spectacle film is great but like paul ws anderson also does spectacle films and even his, like, bad movies are really fun. But his, like, good movies are, like, Event Horizon, the Resident Evil films, uh, the D- the Death Race remake. Stuff like that where it's, like, they're very stupid spectacle movies. But he's, like, you watch them and you're having fun. Whereas with Nolan films, I feel like they're very spectacle films. But it's, like, trying to trick you into thinking that it's not a spectacle film. Yeah, it wants to be more cerebral. It's like, bro. It like makes you think. This is a ex- thinking man's concussion. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, that is the fucking perfect way to talk about it. Like, and that's the thing. Like watching people just like w- watching fucking Dark Knight in like an IMAX theater, as it wasn't as God intended, as God Himself demanded. Uh, I was like catching myself getting like so glazed over during some of the more just like some of the more nothing burger scenes of people just yapping at each other. Uh, it's, and I think that's like, that's really the, the, the brunt of, I think why he wants the spectacle is to just kind of sand over the edges of, of what's really just not trying very hard to be interesting. Yeah, no, I, I think, well, I think it's less that it's like, so with inception, like the original one, like I think that I've kind of always accepted about it is a lot of people have tried to speak highly of it. It's like, well, it's, it's, it's also a movie about cinema itself. You know, it's, it's like, it's cause like, you know, what are, what is cinema, but dreams that, uh, that go on faster than real time does or whatever stupid bullshit people always say about inception. <laughs> and it's like, okay, that's stupid. But like, I can get why it's kind of cool to see that sort of dumb cinematic, like jerk off material put into a like spectacle action film vehicle and but then with tenant like watching it i'm realizing like oh you've been doing this exact same thing for like 
like a two decades. Yeah. Like this is your like third major film where you have some sort of timey wimey bullshit. And it's like, <laughs> when you think about it, that's kind of like how movies are. The, the structure of the film, the, the whole movie is a, is a paradoxical pincher move itself. And it's like, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> like, dude, I'm not 17 anymore. And like your audience of people who watched your films when they were 17 are my age, not yeah. 17 anymore. <laughs> For real. Like, you got to start giving me something else than just, like, wouldn't it be fucked up if the if a guy you saw in my movie earlier was actually the main character, but in a different timeline? And it's like, no. <laughs> no, it wouldn't be interesting. Sorry. Sorry, no. Yeah, it's... I've seen more than five movies. Like, you... <laughs> <laughs> I understand that it's just free. Like, I understand that the train is not really coming at me. Thank you. Now, can you, can you, like... Create something lasting, please. Wait, when you the most disappointing thing about this film is like having the excuse to have like action and fight sequence stuff like play backwards, yeah, and doing visually nothing with that. God, it's so like the part when uh, what's his fucking name, John David Washington is fighting himself, but we don't know it's himself yet, and himself like on the ground like rives backwards and then like jumps up to grab him, but it's like reverse footage of him like being thrown to the ground and writhing away. Yeah, I like saw that and I was just like, that is so boring looking. <laughs> like this is a movie you made like now and you have so much money and like the concept of like using backwardsness to make something look unreal and unsettling is like I mean David Lynch already did it but like you know so many other things you could do with this and what you did with it is just is something that you could have filmed forwards <laughs> yeah well there's kind of there's kind of a difficult conversation at play here where, um, and you know, that we might all have to, we, let, let's sit down a little bit for, for my, for my steaming take here. Uh, the fight scene has already kind of been perfected. Um, like there, you know, you, you can, you can read, you can read all sorts of stuff about this, but it's like, you really want to show the audience like as much as possible and show them something that's like impressive and well choreographed and extremely practiced. Uh, and I think that Christopher Nolan wants to like, you see him learning because holy shit, like the, his Batman trilogy is universally like the fight scenes in those are like universally maligned practically. Um, it was, it was like ge a genuine like learning curve for him to, uh, get even to a point in the dark Knight rises where like you see someone's fist collide with someone else. Uh, and the camera isn't just like, duh, 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 you know, like, uh, he, he isn't doing, he isn't filming his movies. Like, like, it's the 1950s and they haven't figured out how to do an action scene yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he, he kind of, it, it's like, he's trying to split the difference between like making things that work and, and like just doing like the thing that he wants to do, uh, because he's very, very precocious, very, very, uh, very gifted child filmmaker is kind of a, a, the large impression that I get of, of Christopher Nolan. 
um, and it doesn't work. <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, in Tenet, it is not very functional. There's just so many fucking setups that it's uh, purposefully, things are just so purposefully kind of obfuscated and made hard to like, hard to suss out so that he can pull off his like magical trick. Um, that he kind of doesn't really pull off. Like, I thought those scenes were fun, but I didn't think that they were impressive. Yeah, I think that's, like... That's what's, like, so bizarre about it, is that it's, like, they... It's exactly that, where it's, like, they're not impressive, which is, like, weird, because, like, this is a film that is insisting on its impressiveness. Yeah. And then you get things that, like... Again, if this is a movie he made like at the start of his film career, I'd be like, "Oh, that's cool." Right. You know, I'd I'd make fun of it now in the same way I make fun of like Memento, but I would at least respect that it's like, yeah, but like it's, you know, like he's he's learning. But it's like, dude, again, you're you're 50, you've been like you've been getting ungodly amounts of budget, like and instead of being like, maybe I will make some more restrained films so that I can learn how to make a movie, he's just like, "No, I'm just going to go bigger." Yeah. <laughs> yeah it just i would almost respect it more if it was like such a if it was like a way smaller budget you know like if if you're pulling out all of the fucking stops in the world and and what you land on is like here's like a cute trick here's like a uh a, a curiosity to to sate the audience's appetite for for being wowed because that's what movies are you know that's pretty much the apex of what movies are capable of right is just making people go how did they do that uh i i just don't fucking agree i don't agree i don't agree with any part of that yeah no and it's again it i think the other problem is there's this review of like um star wars revenge of the sith i think about a lot where there's like a line about like the sort of end of that kind of spectacle of cinema where like he's like George Lucas you've made you have like so overstimulated audiences that like you have made a scene where a man fights a six-armed robot with laser swords on the back of a lizard boring yeah <laughs> and it's like that's the problem with like modern spectacle film is is after that and why like i can't get into it in the same way other people can is because so much of it i see and i'm like that's not impressive if you have like like if it's if you're low budget there's like a lot of stuff that spectacle stuff can be impressive but for a lot of times i'm like i can't be impressed by just like whoa how did they do that because it's like i know how they did that (laughs) (laughs) with the computer yeah, like I, I I saw some of that with like Aquaman stuff where people were like, "Whoa, they did the the Texas switch trick! Can you believe these effects that they did?" And I'm like, "Yeah, <laughs> I can <laughs> because they have a lot of money. They have a lot of money to make it look good. Like I I am not impressed by them, and it's it's not even like because it's like oh I'm I'm a consumer and I think it has to look good because like whatever I can I can accept flaws and stuff. It's just that it's like when you have the fuck you money to do these things, it's like you can't." convey to me that it's impressive because what you're just trying to do is that you're just trying to show to me look at how much money i had i had to make this movie with and that's not impressive to me yeah look at how i can pay someone to bang their head against this problem over and over until it stops being a problem that's like what all thank you that's that's what industry is i'm aware i know how that works uh 
let's go back to feeling things. Let's go back to movies that don't just show you a shot of a woman and her child and she is sad, but now she has, oh, the child and the woman are holding hands. It is happy again. Like It's, it's such a thing where it's like if you're going to do spectacle, to, to I guess to contrast it, like, Let's say Edgar writes Scott Pilgrim because I was watching some just some clips from it later. At least of that, it's like you're doing spectacle and I'm interested in the way the shots are done. Not because they're like, whoa, how'd they do that? But because it's like, oh, like that was like a thoughtful like you you started with I want to create this image. Okay, how am I going to create this image and not? okay, I have a ton of money. Uh, What can I spend this money on doing? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That's, yeah, that's the struggle. It's just, like, and I mean, like, that's, that's the sort of, el problema es el capitalismo. That's the problem. It's, it's like, uh, you know, you kind of get this, like, shifted focus on, like, what the actual problem of, of making art is. Uh, just because, like, you, you can't buy your way out of, uh, and, and that's kind of, you know, that's kind of where the passion for, art even comes from it's like you can't just buy your way into these answers about humanity and emotions and people it's it's uh it's just i don't know it's it's just pathetic uh this whole like the the bombast of of uh you know of of modern cinema and like trying to trying to like work within that system but to try to make something that's like trying to be interesting uh it's just really frustrating to watch uh when when you're when you're just a soulless motherfucker like and you know and i think that like as long as 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 long as that's um like what the industry is just like charging people for some you know weird spectacle sideshow shit uh you're not going to get any closer to those answers at all I don't know. It's frustrating. It's just frustrating. Yeah, no, I the the only thing I can hope that comes from this is like I've been saying I really uh, I don't want theaters to die. I want theaters as the current model that they are to die. If theaters just become yeah. the playground for like smaller distribution films, I would love that. And I feel like it would also take away like Nolan's main trick, which is that you have to see it in IMAX because then it's so it's like a roller coaster ride, and then you don't really notice that like it's not it's not that good. Yeah, like I'm okay um, with I'm okay with shit like IMAX existing, but I like the idea that they have to kind of take over the market, and the the idea that there has to be, like, an IMAX theater in every single state and every city in the world, or, you know, like, no. Like, just let let movies exist. The the idea of cinema basically being produced around the tentpole of of big spectacle films and then smaller, possibly successful spectacle films. Yeah. Um... By the way, huge shout-outs to Anne Hornaday of the Washington Post. Um... She did not review the film, <laughs> and she specifically said that it's because they didn't give people a digital option to watch it at home. And quote: "We were held hostage to Tenet's marketing rollout, given a high-minded sheen by Nolan's vaunted artistic purity. So we chose not to play." That is, yeah, a lot of people have been doing that actually, which I think is 
extremely respectable and like the right thing to do. Yeah, um, no, I, I honestly like major applause if you were just like openly saying like, hey, we get like why? Because this idea that like it can't be intended. If you're going to just put it on digital for thing being like, hey, we're going to re-release it in theaters once it's safe to do so. But the fact that you're like trying to basically like guilt people into breaking quarantine or like yeah. having to weigh the risk and safety of their of themselves or their community against seeing Christopher Nolan play with toys on screen for two hours. Fucking Fuck for you. real. <laughs> like, I know that it has cutely become like a fun partisan political discussion, which is great. I love that for this fucking hellhole of a fucking country. But guess what? You're going to get people like hurt or killed or like permanently permanent lung damage, permanent brain damage, like you because of your fucking rich person tantrum that like people that like your magic trick only works in like one very, very specific setting. Well, like, guess what? Fuck you. Fuck your fucking bullshit Damn, cinematic empire. Made- Damn, guess you should have made a movie that could be watched on Blu-ray. Crazy. Like a fucking normal movie. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy. You could have made something good, actually. I, I, I am sorry that. Hold on. Let me look up the budget of this real quick. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's let's compare. Let's compare and contrast. Bu- budget to box office. Let's see. Uh, but very funny to see a Christopher Nolan film with a budget of two hundred million dollars make two hundred and seven million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> Just barely scraping by there. So yeah, fuck the fuck every single fucking rich uh piece of shit who just did not care who who definitely put theater workers at risk at the very fucking least. Yeah, like oh ooh, 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 oh did you get addicted to IMAX to- <laughs> Did you get addicted to the Dolby sound system? Ooh. Oh. Oh, Poor- is your badly mixed movie not going to sound as good? <laughs> <laughs> That's what um, I, I, by the way, I feel so glad that like multiple people have been noting the sound mixing in this because it's like I felt insane that like every Nolan film I've watched since the Batman movies has fucking god awful sound mixing and I've never heard anyone else talk about it. They're they're like for ca- for costing more money than I will ever see in my entire lifetime several times over. Uh, his movies are really like fucking slapped together. And I, it, I, I don't get it. It's honestly a great compliment for our next film as well of just like it is weird that for someone with so much prestige behind them, they consistently seem to make choices that suggest they don't really understand movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Which I'm I'm not one to gatekeep. But if you but if you get two hundred million dollars to make a movie, I will gatekeep you. <laughs> <laughs> what are you gonna what are you gonna do? Outspend me? You can. That fuck you. <laughs> you you can and will you could bury this review you could have us killed please have, have us th- killed at this yeah, point christopher nolan you could have us killed and not just by releasing your movie during a fucking pandemic <laughs> <laughs> the old-fashioned way imagine getting coronavirus because you went and saw tenet um i would rather imagine just dying <laughs> just passing away a peaceful natural death because like i'm not even a big like I'm not even, like, super down on the whole, like, or not super down. It's not even, like, a thing to me where I'm like, oh, you went out during a pandemic, like, you deserve everything that happens to you. Because, like, I get it. Everyone has to make their own decisions and risks, yada, yada, yada. I'm gay. I get get risks. I get (laughs) risk-making. But if you make that risk up to go see fucking Tenet, (laughs) 
fuck, fuck that. You're, you're an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> like what other, what other, what other shit are you willing to risk? Uh, yeah, I, like I, mm, mm, it just like I don't want to, I don't want to portray any part of myself as as hating, like the proletariat uh, any more than the uh, fucking billionaire class uh, decision makers. Uh, you know, putting people in danger. Yeah. But at a certain point. <laughs> I I mean, I, I feel fine with it on this because it's less so I'm less even mad necessarily at people who just went and saw this movie as sure. I am at the people I heard about where it's like they flew across the country to go see this movie. Yeah, at at that point, go fuck yourself. Like, come on. Like I, I hope you got family where you went and got saw this with, so that you could have literally something else to justify to yourself getting on an airplane. <laughs> then, uh, well, I really wanted to see um, the movie. I, I really wanted to see Memento Four. <laughs> yeah, great work, everybody. Uh, just utterly, utterly fantastic. I feel like we're talking a lot about the distribution model. Maybe like a, a like. There's stuff we could say about the film. <laughs> what there is uh, um, Do people really I, want that? I think I, 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 there is something I want to say about it, which is that yes. I feel like Christopher Nolan like, comes from a dimension where M. Night Shyamalan succeeded. <laughs> and that it's like everybody knows that his movies have some sort of like weird twist or whatever in them with like the time shit. Yeah. And it's so sad that it's like so predictable that I actually don't understand how people were like, oh, yeah, I can't wait to see it again. I had to watch it like three times to like really get it because it's like. Case in point, the twist of like Robert Pattinson's character being like, oh, he works for Tenet. When that scene happened, I literally was like. Is this back in time? Like, did we not know that already? <laughs> like, I just, I didn't even think, like, I never even thought at any point that he wasn't a part of the organization. I just assumed it was, like, a given that, like, yeah, of course he works for the organization. Why else would he be working with this guy? Yeah. I, and, and, like, all of the shit about, like, how, like, oh, we, we technically haven't met yet, uh, blah, blah, blah. I'll, you know, I'll meet you in the future, which is also the past. It's just like, okay, like, but I don't, Part of me fails to see like how that matters. Yeah, it 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 doesn't contribute anything to the film or anything on rewatches because it's it's a thing that has to be hidden from the audience for it to be a twist at the end. And it, yeah. it but it doesn't reveal anything thus on a rewatch. It's not like you rewatch it and you're like, oh, that's why he was so friendly to him <laughs> because they're actually friends the whole time. But it's like if if they're if they're not friends from one of their points of view, then they're not friends. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of not how it works. Uh, but you know, whatever. And also, like, okay, the kind of the other aspect, like, kind of the uh, you know, on the same coin. Uh, I think that people should stop trying to make movies where, like, the whole thing is like. This movie has rules and it this movie follows its own internal set of it's it has like its own internal rule set about like how this sort of supernatural phenomena works. Uh because some of those rules are just not gonna fucking make any sense. Um case in point, uh a major character gets shot, a cat gets shot in the movie. Uh, I'm kind of rereading the plot synopsis. 
they take her through the 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 turnstile thing to uh, go back in time, which reverts her back to being okay. Um, which is I like I guess it makes sense, but it also really doesn't make sense because like early on in the movie they they portray it as like oh if you get if you get if you get shot in reverse you get shot in real life uh so like i don't i don't fucking know like what research did it take to like try to figure out like how this shit works why are there like so many arcane rules that the audience has to be expected to like follow and like have in their head at one point yeah and it's ironically i think the film would have been better if it didn't do any of that and if it didn't have sequences of characters explaining rules, because it's like, these aren't like, these aren't explanations that do anything to improve the film. Yeah. They're just kind of like, don't worry, I thought of lore as to why the scene I'm about to show you makes sense, actually. <laughs> you will regret your words and deeds if you say this doesn't make sense. Um, and it's like, you know what? Just show me the scene. Like, I don't actually, like, hey, the character that we're, like, following doesn't know what any of this is. Why don't you just be like, yeah, that's a thing. Don't worry. You'll understand it later. And then the reveal is that, like, oh, he will understand it later because he's going to give himself Benjamin Button disease and travel back in time uh, to do fun adventures and create this a future where he becomes the president of Save America Corp. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's just like and that's again, I mean, like it ties back into my fucking main problem with the movie, which is that it's just fucking a bunch of goddamn yapping and not enough, you know, not enough do too much say. Uh, but I I don't know. What can you fucking do? There's basically nothing to get out of this other than. Gay fan art. Of the main two characters, which like that's true. I anything that you're, anything Robert Robert Pattinson is is like a buddy to another dude in the movie. At least we'll get good gay fan out of it. Cannot yeah. wait for this movie to go to Japan and we start getting tenant uh, pixel art. <laughs> I I mean it's already started. I feel like uh, well, it's very sexy that on the Wikipedia article for Tenet, uh, Robert Pattinson is listed as, or rather, Robert Pattinson's character is listed as the protagonist's handler. Um, I, I think that every, every movie about every action movie about like some guy who goes around and has to, you know, do espionage and shoot people, uh, he should have a handler and that handler should be Robert Pattinson. Yeah. (laughs) Um, honestly, just embrace the fact that like feds, fed agents have fed handlers and shit, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know. And and just make them and make them kiss, because yeah. uh, you know why why fucking not? I, I'm not saying the tenant would be good if they were gay, but I am saying I would have cared uh, and have not been playing a video game when I was yeah, trying to yeah. rewatch more of it. I would have looked up from my like phone solitaire game to see them kiss, and then I would have been like, oh great, that was that was some serotonin. Um, There's gonna be some people who are like, you guys didn't even watch the film; you were too busy being distracted. And I I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I tried. <laughs> <laughs> did our, we did our Make best. We movie. did our job. Yeah, we you know, like. Yeah, you, you guys are biased against Christopher Nolan. Uh, uh only no, for the I'm reason that people have been annoying at you about time. Christopher Nolan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm biased toward um, self-respect. 
I'm a I'm a I'm a time stan, and I'm here to protect her reputation against Christopher Nolan, <laughs> against haters. Um, speaking of espionage, this has nothing to do with anything. This is a complete sidetrack. Uh, I found out that Stan Twitter, uh, does this thing where like. A stan will say something problematic, but before they say the problematic thing, they'll change their they'll change their avatar. A specific example, like a Taylor Swift stan changed her avatar to Ariana and changed her uh uh like profile name to being like something about Ariana Grande before saying something like wildly out of pocket and problematic and evil. Yeah. Um and I think that uh someone should make a movie about stans uh, about like stan espionage. The, um, the idea of Stan Twitter having discovered and immediately for their own purposes uh, implemented PSYOPs is very funny. <laughs> it's insane to think about. Like Stan Cointelpro. Fucking. Yeah. Literally, literally Stan Gladio. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know. Don't don't stand don't stand uh, Gladio or Cointelpro or, or uh, Psyops uh, as a verb. But uh, I'm actually know. changing all of my display name stuff right now to be a Christopher Nolan fanboy, <laughs> and then I'm going to post Stan Cointelpro. Yeah, um, that's exciting. Yeah, let's do that. Let's make that our new brand, uh, our new brand venture. <laughs> uh, um, what, what's a director? What what what? Uh, let's call them Brolins because I love when things have funny names. What what, yeah. what director do Brolins like have beef with? Like, what do Christopher Nolan fans like hate? Um, I that's the thing. I don't think they know about anything else. You know, like I they're, I'm gonna go look at uh, I'm gonna go find a positive review for Tenet and I'm gonna click on it. I'm gonna see yeah. what movies. This guy <laughs> All right, hates. we're we're doing some research actually. Yeah, this I, is exciting. I will say I have a prediction that there's a selection of them who say things like, I'm a cinema maximalist or whatever, um, and who like also probably love the Transformers films, and they tend to hate A24 films and Ari Aster films. So mm. I, I will say them. Sure. Um, well, wow, I clicked... just, they're just like, no, not a lot of good reviews to this movie at all. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, I clicked on someone's Letterboxd profile, and their favorite movies are... Uh... Uh, Donnie Darko, um, and fucking, uh, the beach bum. Well, that's, you know, uh, there is one person going hard in the comments of just Nolan good, uh, Tarantino bad, but I feel like that's interesting. I feel like that's a, it's a unique one. Um, yeah, I'm just gonna go ahead and say it's probably people who hate A24 fans. So I'm gonna I'm gonna gonna pretend to be I'm gonna make a bunch of posts about how like oh maybe if A24 did more psyops uh, they wouldn't have flopped. And we will we will be waging website. asymmetrical warfare against Christopher Nolan. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna be. It's gonna be like that uh, that old 4chan post about the. Um, about the dude uh, who's like stealing uh, stealing stuff from the hospital to try to make uh, David Lynch sick. <laughs> <laughs> but it's going to be me trying to make Christopher Nolan sick. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, that's I think that's. um. I think I'm not going to edit that out of the episode, and I think the FBI will be fine with that. Oh, what? Like, pff, uh, like Christopher Nolan can't just buy his own goddamn security if he's, if he's so goddamn worried. 
<laughs> yeah, that's true. He probably, I mean, he already, he's probably already got some goons. Um, well, in any case, uh, I don't know. Any other, any other tenant thoughts? I feel like that's kind of the brunt of it. Um, no, yeah, I think that's it. I, I don't got much else. Tenet, Tenet is not a very good film. Uh, don't go and see it in theaters. Please, we're begging you, please, please don't. Please, 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 please don't. It is uh, extremely easy to find cam rips online. <laughs> but in, in the theoretical, um, purely theoretical world wherein we had spent the price of a movie ticket to see Tenet, uh, what, would you, what would you rather have spent your ticket price on? Um, a box of disposable masks. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Would have spent it on the vaccine. Um, and I guess and, I'm glad I didn't spend my theoretical ticket price on a second ticket to go see Tenet in theaters <laughs> so that I could I'm, really understand the movie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I didn't spend it on my first ticket. Uh, but in, in actuality, I'm glad I didn't spend it. Um, I don't know. I'm glad I, I'm here's okay. You know, uh, in, in the theoretical world where money is time, I'm glad I did not spend my time hate watching either the DNC or the RNC. Um, Oh. Because that is an enormous fucking waste of time, and if you did that, you should feel ashamed of yourself. Yeah, I like considered doing it for a bit, but then I realized that, like, oh, like even if I have that in a separate tab, I'm I'm putting that putting that poison right in my ears. Yeah, yeah. Just listening to all those fucking uh, soulless dinosaur pieces of shit talk about nothing. Um, God bless whoever did though, and got us that clip of Joe Biden playing Despacito at the Latino. <laughs> conference that i uh, nope i have nothing to say i have nothing to say for two more months i just i'm not i do not see it i'm not looking i will say very funny even funnier when i then like actually watched it and not only did he play despacito he didn't even play it to the drop he played like (laughs) he played like the like first like 10 seconds of despacito which is like like uh, pure buildup, like it's literally just buildup. So it sounds like nothing. Man, what the fuck are we doing? I was uh. I was talking to like people about it, and I think the thing about it that makes it so, for lack of a better way to put it, funny, is the or like upsetting is the fact that like if this was like Mike Gravel or like um some like random small like old politician. It would still be stupid and cringe, but there'd be a small level of endearing to it of like, oh, like he's playing a song off his phone. That's like, that's like, that's what old people do. But it's like, no, Biden is handlers. So what have them thought up of that? Like, like a person whose job it is, is to make sure he doesn't do stupid shit like that. Came up with that idea. (laughs) Fucking unfucking believable. Remember when... Hey, remember when Bernie was doing like daily addresses from his home and he like remember when he like immediately pivoted into live streaming uh and like figured it out? Yeah. Remember that? Remember, anyway, 
Remember that uh, really cute interview he did have where he talked about how he hired someone whose job was to, to was to help him with uh, like infosec and stuff, and he described her as just like, "Oh, she hates me. <laughs> She's always <laughs> yelling at me." And it's just like, "Wow, you know that like your job is to like." You know that you have to hire somebody who knows how computers work and that they're going to get very frustrated because you don't know how computers work. <laughs> yeah. Uh, man, just thinking about not living in hell, just add genuine, genuinely hell. Um, but anyway, yeah, speaking that's of, uh, that's tenant. Speaking of thinking of ending it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and also speaking of a, a director who at one point in time might have been making great stuff and made a movie that people really, really love for some reason, and now has also made a movie that even most of their biggest fan bases is like, yeah, this is kind of all of the worst shit about their movies. Uh, Charlie Kaufman. <laughs> Charlie Kaufman. Oh, Good boy. old Chuck. Good old <laughs> Chuck. We love Chuck. Uh, so... I guess a better place to start with this one is like, what do we think of Chuck? Like Charlie Kaufman? Yeah, yeah. Because I feel like I have I have positive feelings about adaptation and um, being John Malkovich. Uh, both of those were directed by Spike Jones, so they were directed by somebody else. Um, but I struggle with. Uh, things where Charlie is completely at the helm of them. Synecdoche, New York, uh, is a terrible, terrible movie. Uh, a lot of people really, really love it. I think it is so fucking dour and annoying and just, like, depressing and hyper-focuses on just such, like, the most frustrating themes and shit. Um... And I don't know. I don't know if you. I don't know if you felt that the same way about Synecdoche. I will say definitely with like Kaufman. I feel like Synecdoche is where the division in, for lack of a way to put it, Charlie haters and Charlie lovers is. Because yeah, I I also really like adaptation and being John Malkovich. I remember really liking Eternal Sunshine. I haven't watched it in a while. I wonder Same. how much of it has aged badly. I imagine a chunk of it, but it's also a thing where it's like, I could probably watch it and be like, eh, I mean, this that, that film kind of like came at the start of like, for lack of a way to put it, that genre of like female character in film. And so I can kind of give it a bit more of a pass because it didn't, it probably didn't expect people to just rip it off forever. <laughs> yeah that's um, very true but it is like it's a Godard film whatever so like and then i saw i finally so i've put off watching synecdoche for so long because there was just something about it that was like it gave me this vibe that it would sour my opinion of charlie kaufman and i finally saw it and it kind of soured my opinion of charlie <laughs> kaufman. i i i don't i don't hate it but it is a film where like my immediate thought was like, maybe I'm not smart enough for this. And then the more I read about it, I was like, no, I got everything that people talk about getting out of it. I just didn't think that it got those things across very convincingly. Yeah. Cause like Synecdoche's big problem is it does a lot of, there's a lot of parts 
I like. There's a lot of ideas I like. There's a lot of concepts I like. I feel like he kind of put it all together in a way that didn't work. And there's an extent to which that's forgivable because that's kind of what the movie is about. Yeah, for sure. And then there's a way in which he's now made another movie that I haven't seen yet. And now he's making this movie and it has that exact same feeling to it. And it's like, all right, dude, you've been making movies for a while now. Kind of time to like start figuring out what you're doing with them. (laughs) (laughs) Or at least just kind of try to like diversify your style or whatever. Uh, Yeah. Synecdoche is so frustrating because it's it's not only is the the narrative itself not really on stable ground, because like I, I feel like Eternal Sunshine partially like worked so well because uh, there was such a clear like it, it was definitely stylized throughout the movie. Um, but there was like a very clear delineation between like, OK, this is the real world and then this is the world of his memories. And so like when, you know, when things are kind of like shaky and shifting and everything um in you know in the latter uh you're still able to hold on to like what the movie is saying and and hold on to like the messaging whereas with synecdoche it's just like that the whole time uh in a way that's definitely i don't know in a way that's like really it's hard to like grasp kind of what he's talking about or not not really like grasp but it's like hard to care I would say like it's hard to emotionally grasp and it's um I don't know he just like shotguns through a lot of concepts uh and this movie has the same problem uh where and to be clear I'm thinking of ending things is based on a book um it's actually by the like son-in-law of the prime minister of Iceland or something like that that's wild uh but yeah super 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 wild it it is based on a book I will say because I did a bit of reading and stuff up on it um, there's a lot of story beats, obviously, that are saying, but Kaufman was very, like, basically said that, like, when he did his adaptation, like the movie adaptation, which is also a, actually an adaptation of a book, he, he said that kind of, like, opened up his mind to the idea that, like, an adaptation can, should be its own separate thing. Mm. And obviously this is a lot less of a deviation than adaptation is. Uh, adaptation is, like, a movie about the adaptation of a book that can't be adapted into a film. Uh, and this is more like, yeah. you know, it takes the same plot beats, but it, 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 uh, a big difference I've been seeing is that this film, uh, is that the actual book, the sort of unreality that's going on is a lot more body horror. And in this film, it's a lot more like existential horror. Mm, yeah. Um, that's, okay. That's interesting. Well, yeah, the film, like, barely kind of touches on it with, like, the maggots and the pigs and stuff like that. Yeah, apparently stuff like that is, like, a much bigger uh, thing. The the phone calls, for example, are also a, a much bigger part in the book, apparently. Like, apparently the, the presence of the caller is, is felt a lot more throughout the story in the actual book. Okay. Uh, to an extent that in the, the narrative of that, your assumption is that the, the person calling her is, like, a stalker, basically. Uh, oh, and okay. then the stalker is actually like uh, Jake's intrusive thoughts. Oh, I'm, well, that's interesting. Um, which I think gets to the biggest problem I had with I'm thinking of ending things, which is that it's like, oh, I get it. It's a metaphor. 
<laughs> and I yeah. fucking hate that style of filmmaking. <laughs> I fucking hate meta. I I hate metaphors. No, um, it's 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 like the same thing I hate about shit like Babadook, where it's just it's like there's a point at which you're just like, oh, I get it. It's a metaphor, and then the whole film is just is just hung on the hook of the metaphor, and I find it so lazy because it lets you get out of making anything interesting yeah well i mean it's kind of like throwing uh, throwing the baby out with the bathwater thing um i like to use idioms wrong by the way just so everybody knows uh, it's funny but, it's, it's 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 your bit it's okay it's my bit this is my bit uh but it's um you know it, it's a. Uh, you kind of like for the purpose of the metaphor, you kind of sacrifice making a movie that can be thought of as good or fun to watch um, or able to view by humans, because like this movie is so steeped in its metaphor that it's just two people fucking talking in a car for like half more than half of it for like two thirds of it. It feels like practically. Um, and, and so you have to like pay attention to everything that they're saying and like you have to fucking you you have to like have your brain on to catch all of these inconsistencies when it's like okay if every single aspect of this movie is like a uh you know a support pole for like the central metaphor then like at what at what point are you sacrificing you know making something that's actually palatable versus making something that you just kind of cheaply want people to like think about and piece together like I don't know. It like it kind of throws out like the potential emotional resonance of movies for this like kind of logical cinema sinzy um you know sort of this means that that means the other whatever um or I I don't know maybe that's maybe that's not a fair thing to say because like there's there's a fair amount of like technical emotional weight here uh but it just doesn't really seem to land and it doesn't really seem to establish itself uh, by creating like characters and circumstances that I care about. Yeah. And that's just, that's the central failing of it. I, I, and I think like a big, so I, I said this like, like after I finished watching it, where it's like, this movie needs to be like 70% more annoying or like 30% less annoying where I, I feel like because it's so hung up on that metaphor, it's afraid to fully commit to this sort of dementia mind, like it, it, it's afraid to fully commit to to doing a sort of the same thing as like the caretaker albums of like this is a movie that is being told as like an amalgamation of someone's memories as they're approaching an age where like their memories are becoming confused and fantastical. Yeah, because it still wants to have this like thorough line of like oh, but like isn't it so depressing being uh sad. um but it doesn't so it doesn't go far enough in like making like the surrealist imagery of the film which i think would have been cool like the idea of a film about like uh, a character who is essentially trapped in another person's dementia uh because like that's that's i guess kaufman like very much so like i don't want this character to be like I, I would I don't want to put an actress through the position of like you are playing a person who isn't real and it's just a figment of an imagination. I want her to be like a real person. So the idea of like a, a person who has essentially created another person's mind to to be this container of all these ideas and all of these like doubts and worries, that's like a great existential concept idea. Like and like that's I think something that you can really get into like 
this sort of tension of like being in a relationship in which you're forced to be that role. And you can have this sort of dueling sense of like half of the films about, you know, uh, depressive reflection of like back on your life as a depressive. And the second and the other half of the film is a young depressive allowing themselves to be defined by somebody else's like ideas of them. But the film doesn't want to really dedicate to doing that. <laughs> so it just ends yeah. up being like it reels it in too much, but it doesn't reel it in enough so that it gives you these these teasing temptations of existential horror. And then it goes back to, to characters sitting around being like, oh, you know, like life is like a poem. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you know, the the life is kind of like a pig that you like that's full of maggots, and then it's like a metaphor, and then it's like this scene in a movie, and then it's like you really like movies, and then it's just like regret, you know. <laughs> <laughs> There's this annoying Lars von Trier bit about how he's afraid to get treated for anxiety and depression because he's worried that it'll make his uh, art not, not as good. And this film is a really great way to tell him that, like, no, dude, you got to get treated because your art's going to end up like this. <laughs> <laughs> this is what happens when you think that if you get treated for depression, your art will get bad, is that your art gets bad because it just becomes about uh, the depression you had when you were 20 stretched out into a whole career. Oh, my God. Yeah, I think I, I definitely think that Charlie Kaufman has those exact same brain worms. Um, and is, is probably pretty afraid to grow, probably pretty afraid of change. Uh, I read the synopsis of his novel. I think it's called Antkind. Um, and there's like there's like a bunch of shit about like Trump in it. There's like SJW shit in it. It. It sounds like a very it sounds like a very wild ride, but it also sounds like a particular particular genre of annoying um, that uh, almost almost seems worth reading to try to fucking if we're if we're going to sit here and try to uh, uh, figure out what the fuck is wrong with this guy. That's, um, the, the SJW thing is like. People are, like, so torn on the inclusion of the scenes of, like, the character just saying modern, like, pop feminist talking points and quoting yeah. that one review of Cassavetti's thing. And I'm just going to say straight up, those scenes fucking suck, and it doesn't matter why they're in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> like, them having an argument about the fucking Christmas song, who cares? <laughs> Shut up! Don't fuck. put that in your fucking movie. Are you fucking kidding me? That literally so infuriated. Like literally a Tumblr argument from 2010. Put it in a like, movie. Like it's it, it doesn't matter if he's putting it in there to make fun of people having that argument. It doesn't matter if he's putting it in there because he agrees with it. There's literally it, putting that in your movie is cucked behavior. <laughs> <laughs> you're, oh you're my god! You're 100%. directing a fucking film about depression not a fucking law and order svu episode shut the fuck up like like don't rip for, <laughs> stop ripping shit from headlines yeah no for fucking real like it, it's just so obviously not like you're you're so obviously not a part of this discussion you know this larger cultural discussion that is happening what's the fucking other oh yeah they say that like sissy is problematic oh yeah, in, yeah, in yeah. This it's movie. like oh you know it's it's, it's so it's like so uncommitted like it, it's I, I like you can't tell whether or not he's like including these to mock these kind of arguments 
or like like what he really thinks of them. He includes them in a very meek manner, which I guess matches what the character of Jake is like very meek. But uh, it doesn't yeah. again, it, it doesn't go further enough. It, it's just like you're including these things that are annoying modern things, but they don't really like give your story any like modern annoying things to latch onto. They're just annoying things that you saw online and you were like, well, what if I put these in my little film? <laughs> um, well, and the movie is like kind of about no GF disorder in a way where it's like it talks a lot about how media um, is a virus that replaces reality in your brain. Uh, so like, you know, maybe it's just trying to undermine those conversations by saying that like people just shouldn't be affected by uh media that uh multinational billion dollar corporations shove down their throats at all times at every fucking venue um so you know whatever and, and like also the movie is kind of like it feels like he's kind of like grappling with the eternal sunshine sort of mad uh not magical girl, fucking uh, pixie, manic pixie dream girl thing, I guess. Oh, 100%. Um, yeah. Which, like, I, you know, okay, but, like, the, the, way, to, the way to grapple with that, I don't, it, the, like, this just seems like the absolute last way that I would have chosen <laughs> is to just, like, go full bore on making a, a woman character that is, like, sort of a figment of somebody of like a figment of a man's imagination. And is just this kind of like literally an amalgamation of pop culture references as a human being. Yeah. Like, and like, I, I, I get it, but like, you're not, you know, you're not outside of that conversation because like, just because you made, well, like you're even more like included in that sort of cultural conversation because you fucking are, are responsible for a lot of these uh portrayals which like eternal sunshine it wasn't trying to like promote the sort of manic pixie manic pixie dream girl thing it was kind of doing more or less the same thing as 500 days of summer um but like welcome to like well like welcome to the success that you tried to curb under a capitalist like global system like welcome to you know muddled messaging and like how women get used as props in like fucking uh you know in advertisements for for your shitty little movie uh you know like maybe <laughs> maybe don't hate the player hate the game i guess is, i yeah. guess is like how i feel about shit like this well so, like, a great example of, like, this, of, of, of being a little too navel-gazing and not going further enough in either direction is, this is from, like, the same thing. So, like, there's that part where she quotes um, the entire, or like, a large chunk of Pauline Kael's review of Women Under the Influence by John Cassavetes. Mm -hmm. And it's supposed to be, you know, another way in which she's embodying this concept of a girl is it's like this idea of like, oh, I'm going to take from all these things I like. And this character also has a collection of reviews from that author that she's quoting. So it's like this weird tension of like, well, here's a movie I like, but this girl is supposed to be like this other girl I like who hates this movie. And Kaufman in like this interview I had read about it is like, um, he's like, I've always liked her and I grew up with her and reading her and thinking that she was smarter than I am, said Kaufman. Uh, 
Uh, that goes towards this idea of Jake not being able to have anything that he wants. He had this opinion about that movie and then failed. It's an experience I've had. The idea that you like something and then you read something by somebody that you really admire and you feel like an idiot for liking that thing. Um, that, you are 61. <laughs> you are 61 years old. And if you're like, well, I thought I really liked this movie, but a person I thought was smart didn't like this movie. So now I guess I'm wrong for liking this movie. Is like, grow a fucking spine, dude. Like, you can have your opinion <laughs> changed by a really good review of something. But this idea of like, well, I must be wrong for liking this film is like, you're not. And the thing is, like, he's not investigating that idea in this movie because it doesn't go further enough with it it just is like in there because that's how neurotic he is and he's like it's it's him trying to capture like oh like it really sucks when that happens right and it's like no it sucks that you think like that <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, like it sucks what that, a that fucking... it, it sucks that that happens not because it's like uh that relatable feel when it sucks that it happens that you don't have enough like self-defined character to like have an opinion <laughs> that has that can't that you can't have an opinion unless it's an approved opinion. And that's what the film feels like is that it's struggling it's him struggling with this idea of like, well, what's the correct opinions that I have on all these things? Instead of like making a, a fucking movie, novel idea yeah. that you're like what a novel idea that like media is a conversation and that like opinions can and that like opinions can change based on like talking to people crazy not a thing i learned in high school or anything it's so and it, it, it actually leads me to like so there's like this whole stuff i've been reading about the the cast of eddie or not the cast of eddie's the um oh fuck who's the robert zemeckis joke in the film yeah um, which which I was like I, the only part of the movie I thought was funny. Yeah, I I thought it was super funny too. And it's funny because some people are like, "Oh, that's not like," but that's not the kind of movie Robert Zemeckis would make. And Kaufman has tried to like be like, "Well, I mean, it could be." Da, da, da. But the thing is, like, the thing that that's reason why that scene is so funny to me is because it's like ends so suddenly, and then it's like directed by Robert Zemeckis, and it's just like such a not Robert Zemeckis movie. <laughs> like that to me is like what makes that scene funny is that it's like. It's such a like absurdist like scene. Um, it's kind of like the bit in uh, being John Malkovich, where like everyone keeps referring to a John Malkovich movie that doesn't exist, and he keeps trying to be like, "That's not a movie I was in," but everyone is like insistent that that's a movie he was in. Yeah, <laughs> like it's it's funny because it's absurd, but it's like the kind of thing that like when you're saturated of pop culture, your brain you, it, it's basically a joke about like the fucking Mandela effect kind of stuff in 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 film. But right. I also kind of liked it because it's like the film in that that he shows looks really stupid. And then he kind of like implements some scenes from that film into his imagination, like with the whole Santa Fe burger. And if you had a bit more self-awareness in the film, I feel like that could have worked really well to have this bit of like that was a very clearly stupid movie. But because it's directed by Robert Zemeckis, it must be good. So I, I should I should take inspiration for that, for how romance and stuff looks in the world. Right. And if you had enough self-awareness to have like a character who is like taking cues from media, but hasn't realized that, you know, you shouldn't be taking your cues from media. You should be growing from media, not just like learning from it. Like you should be learning from it, but then like applying that to like your actual experiences and not just trying to recreate it. 
Yeah. But rather than having a film made by a guy who's self-aware enough to be like, man, I used to be this kind of person, and now I, I realize that, like, you know, moving past it sucks, it feels like a movie made by that person. <laughs> it, it, this feels like a, an indie darling version of Birdemic. Oh, my like God. Like, it's a movie made by someone who doesn't really understand movies, but, like, knows that he's supposed to like them. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Which is just a shame, very... because I, I love his scripts. His scripts have been great. He should get someone oh, else yeah. to direct his movies. <laughs> <laughs> he should stop yeah, directing his else... own movies. Just get someone else to look over it. And, you know, it's like they say, go on a go on a road trip. The world's bigger than inside of your own fucking head. Uh, you know, I yeah, it's... It's very, it's very frustrating. It's very navel gazy, um, and I, I just don't, I don't, I don't like it. I don't think it's good. Uh, bad movie. <laughs> bad. <laughs> bad movie. Uh, probably one of the worst deployments of Tony Collette in a very long time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, she was clearly, she was clearly having fun, and I, I liked her character, but also. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, uh. there, there really. I mean, there wasn't enough of her, frankly. I, I will just... say the main actress. I think did a pretty good job. I think she did a good job too of like, also giving off the sense that as her character changes, she's like, kind of this tension between who she air quotes like actually is and this tension of like, who how her personality keeps getting shaped and like changed by this person who is essentially imagining her. Um, yeah. I like that. I feel like she did a really good job of just being in these moments of like falling in and out of like, wait a second. Like, why am I acting like this? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like that's, that stuff was really, really interesting. Um, yeah. Her performance was really good. Uh, one thing that I will say is that like, Kind of with regard, like, kind of jumping off of the same kind of conversation we had about uh, Tenet, uh, the sort of, like, rules of this movie are also really kind of squishily defined, uh, where um, I'm reading reading through kind of the plot synopsis of this movie again. Um, there, there's a scene where, like, the janitor suffers a mental breakdown, uh, but... The way that that's like portrayed is just him like he he's like sitting in a car and then the shots go all weird and then he starts like doesn't he just starts like sh- stripping in the car there there's just so many things that we're like kind of supposed to like not even in a I don't know th- like to to kind of put it in in this way is to be like to invite people to just be like you didn't get it yeah but like my complaint my complaint isn't that I didn't get it like I I understood you know, eventually I was able to put together like largely what's happening um, in this movie, even even if I even if I maybe don't get like one or two of the most uh, like super esoteric references made uh, out of the like 500, you know, referential things. Uh, but sometimes it would just like point the camera at something and like an actor would be doing something and I would just be like, what am I like? What am I getting? What am I? Wh- what is what is she serving? What is this? You know? What is this supposed to be? And a, a lot of the stuff with the janitor was just like really, really testing, testing my limits uh, as far as just, um, you know, how, uh, 
like be, my my brain being able to like cooperate with like the filmmaker's vision. Yeah, I guess. No, because at the second, I think it's especially because like the second um, it it like started showing like the shots of the the janitor. I was like, all right, so this is gonna be related to the stupid fucking twist or something, right? Like that. Like who's this asshole? Like this. Like there, there's no. There's nothing about the guy that we're being shown that would suggest any other reason for him to be there other than for there to be a twist ending. Yeah. Yeah. Like he's, he's definitely, he's such a non-presence in the movie and he doesn't really say very much of anything. Uh, he just kind of like, and maybe that's, maybe that's the point because he's like a viewer. He's like viewing the world the same way that we view movies and ideas and, uh, uh, his his brain is made up of all of these external ideas that he's absorbing, um, but st- like even still, <laughs> like his his relationship to um, you know what we spend most of the movie like watching and what the movie spends most of its time talking about, uh, feels extremely tenuous uh, and really ill defined. Uh, yeah. I don't, I don't know. I don't know, dude. Just, like, even if all of this stuff was, like, you know, strong, which I, which I disagree, like, I don't think that it is. Like, I, I think, I think that, like, a lot of, a lot of this storytelling methodology here is, like, really, really weak and just trying to kind of play to, like, a decent adaptation of, like, a book that may or may not be more interesting. Uh, you know, uh, it's still, like, it's it's still just made it's still just like slapped together really precociously and it's still uh just not very it's not very interesting it's still really like devoid of humanity i felt like um i don't know i i i have like <laughs> yeah i i i it it just it it feels the movie feels really barren in a way that's not on purpose because i know thematically that's t- supposed to be kind of on purpose but not in, not in a way that I like or enjoy. It, Thank you for coming to my TED it's, Talk. It's depressive cinema made too within the logic of a depressive without enough of, like, stepping outside of that to make something that is meaningful. It, I, I would argue it's not even really meaningful to, like, other depressives. Like, I, I feel like it's meaningful yeah. in the same way that, like, commiserating with someone else is meaningful, but I don't think that's good, like, art. I don't think, and, like, not even in a sense of, like, that's not, that's not responsible, but, like, in the sense that it's, like, <laughs> you know, it's it's commiserating in the same way when it's, like, when two depressives talk to each other, but they're not really having a conversation. They're just, like, ah, you're saying something so I can fill in the blanks in my head to be, like, ah, oh, well, this guy also gets it, so, like, at least I'm not miserable by myself. But neither of them are really, like, sharing in each other's misery. They're just echoing and mirroring to reinforce each other's misery. And that's that's what this film feels yeah. like, is that it's like it's Charlie Kaufman being like, oh, I'm so miserable. And then if you're also miserable, but not really like interested in having a conversation about it, you just want someone else to be miserable, too, so that you can feel like you're both miserable. Then like that's what the movie feels like it is. You're like, yeah, yeah, this is great. This guy's also depressed. <laughs> <laughs> like even if that's what the point is uh just doesn't feel worth the price of admission to me and it's you know he he has a sense of humor he can he can make more and in- i i genuinely think charlie kaufman can make more interesting films than this 
it's just this feels like a step backwards from Synecdoche, New York, when it when he should be taking steps forward and improving on Synecdoche, New York. Because there's a lot of stuff. There's, yeah. there's more good, interesting ideas and concepts in Synecdoche, New York than there are in here. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I mean, if you're going to... The other thing that like I struggle so hard with and frustrates me so much about this movie is like, if you're going to go Samuel Beckett, go full Samuel Beckett. Like... It like if what you want to make is like a one act play kind of thing, and uh, you know, there's parts of the movie that like kind of are not them in a car, but most of the movie is them in a car. So if it's just going to be them in a fucking car, then they're like the like the way that it was shot, you know. Oh, you know, it's fun. There's like different shots, and it's kind of like not super literal, and it's it's probably on a set or something. Um. But it's still like them in a car. Like it's not that like, you know, they're not on a stage. They're not like it. It, it isn't like minimalist. Uh, it isn't it isn't sufficiently like Samuel Beckett style minimalist or anything like that. It's just two people sitting in a fucking car. And that's like even if like like if that were if it were like a visual conversation, um, or or if if the conversation that the movie was trying to start spark was like more based in like the visual aspects of the movie i probably would have liked it a lot fucking more uh cuz that just that that would have been interesting it would have reinforced it but you know it, n- n- it it's, being it's, that, that actually like the way it's shot is like great cuz that to me was the the first big red flag when i was watching the film was them in the car <laughs> for so long and me just realizing that like this car scene that's been going on for so long is shot and edited like a car scene in a movie that goes on for like two minutes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like it's, I was just like, but it goes why on are for there 20. so many jump cuts? Like you're, you're like, these characters are <laughs> stuck in a car. There shouldn't be this many jump cuts and the jump cuts don't feel like they're contributing to a tone or to like an interesting visual design or to like it, it does the, the the way they're edited together doesn't feel like they match anything about the film they feel like it's just well this is how scenes like this are supposed to look except that it goes on for 20 minutes but i'm just going to keep doing the same tricks over and over if the way these scenes look and it just doesn't work like just hold one long shot have like two set shots have specific like angles that like somehow connect with what they're saying or like the emotional vibes that we're supposed to get don't just edit it like this is a scene of two characters driving from point a to point b in a movie and so it has to be filmed (laughs) in a specific way because eventually we're going to get to point b and that's going to be the continuation of the film and not that most of your film is people being annoying in a car because it's about a character who's losing his fucking mind in his truck. Yeah. <sighs> Charlie. You're you're gonna make me have to go back and watch your other movies and see if they're still good. I'm sorry, man. <laughs> this is an intervention. <laughs> the council has adjourned. Charlie Kaufman is cancelled. Uh, I just, I have to put it, I have to put it to a recording me saying that Charlie Kaufman is canceled because I feel like that's, that's the thing that's going to make his brain pop like a balloon. It's like, you're, you're canceled, sis. Imagine it's, imagine being like how sad it must be being Charlie Kaufman and like not being misogynistic enough to be Lars von Trier 
But <laughs> but like misogynistic enough that people like are like, oh, you like don't like women. You got like a woman problem, don't you? <laughs> you got a real weird thing about women. I wasn't. Oh, I wasn't gonna bring it up. Oh man. Oh it's, no. I, I feel about, like it's oh, such no. it's such an overmind conversation. We don't have to. But it's like it's oh, really man. sad when you have a problem with women and you don't even do anything interesting with it. <laughs> like you got a problem of women and nothing and there's nothing even of that like you can't even justify it with art it's just a problem it's, it's getting in the way like of your weird, art your art is worse because of it a weird non-traditional like problem with women of 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 trying to tr- like narratively treating them as like weird cryptids and shit like i mm, yeah uh what would you what would you rather have spent your Netflix money on? Um, Criterion Collection. <laughs> <laughs> the Criterion yeah. Collection streaming service. Oh man! How, same. You know, Alec Robbins, the Mister Boop guy, had a has has like a has like a little bit he did on some like small like online streaming service thing. Like maybe give the money to that instead. Hmm. Yeah, I would rather have watched uh, some sort of like maybe some may- maybe some sort of charity stream or something. Yeah. What do you guys you didn't Give- spend your uh, with your Netflix money on? I would not rather have spent my Netflix money on. I would not rather have spent it. I would not rather have put it towards the PlayStation Five, um, which the Sony thing happened today, and it doesn't look. Very interesting. I'll probably watch a Let's Play of Demon's Souls, and that's about it. Um, I guess I would have... <laughs> okay. Well... <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't have rather spent it on that, that either. Yeah. Um, I guess I would rather have, not, rather have not have spent it on, like... I bought this, like, face care stuff, and I think it's just not as good as this other face care stuff I had bought, so I kind of wish I just, like, stuck to Ugh. one that was, uh... That was, you know, like good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that that I've been getting yeah. better results out of. Yeah, that's completely fair. I yeah, that's that 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 always sucks. But yeah, that about wraps it up. Wraps up our thoughts on these two movies. Film is um <laughs> films is. Um, <laughs> if you'd like to hear us talk about a fourth wall breaking movie that was good, um yeah, our uh, Patreon throws it back exclusive episode this month is about Close Up, a 1990 uh, Iranian film. Yeah, by Abbas Kiarostami. It is a very, very it is a, a prolific film. Um, you can you can find it on Criterion, but you can also just watch it for free on YouTube. Uh, so go watch Close Up by Abbas Kiarostami on YouTube, and it's really good. And then come join us on Patreon for exclusive throws it back series where we discuss old uh films next month is going to be zombie movies uh but with a twist um where you know just like not like not like shauna the dead or day of the dead or whatever films that like don't get talked about nearly as in nearly the same way and also that uh that one italian zombie film that you've probably seen on a (laughs) t-shirt yeah (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Um, so that is that is going to be fun. Uh, joining as a patron also, uh, you know, if you're listening and happen to not be a patron, which if you are, uh, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Um, 
But if you are not, you're hearing this three days late. Oh my god! Everyone else has already had you... their glow up on uh, on, <laughs> on, on our, their opinions. Everyone else has already adopted our opinions as their own and are now saying them online. <laughs> uh, and you're you're behind the curve. You got to update your letterbox review now. Yeah, yeah, bitch. Uh, so, um, yeah. So joining as a patron will bring you those exclusives and also plenty of other uh, lovely exclusive things. Um, we have, you know, some fun things planned for the near future. Hopefully some hopefully some streams, uh, which I'm still working out the kinks of. I am having I'm having a graphics card uh, problem, but that will that will hopefully be solved soon. And then we get to have a lot of fun with our lovely patrons. Thank you so much for viewing. Like, comment, and subscribe to the channel and hit the little bell. Uh, <laughs> and, um, yeah, yeah, and th- thank you so much for listening. Uh, any any other closing thoughts, Jaber Hat? Um, no. I, 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 it's, I, uh, very excited, uh, to watch some good movies now that we have watched our <laughs> designated bad movies for the, <laughs> for the month. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm, uh, I can't wait. I can't, we, we actually, you know, when we do have some, some fun things, um, in, in the pipeline for both processes, well, yeah, for, for processes and for everything and for life and in general. Thanks for joining. Bye. Bye.